millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Grief and loss aren't just about someone dying. Sometimes you'll experience these feelings due to something out of your control, like being fired or someone breaking up with you. And you can feel grief and loss even when you were the one in control. You might have voluntarily moved, been the one doing the breaking up, or maybe you decided to stop drinking. But you can still experience these same feelings of heartache, anguish, and misery. So today I'm going to teach you how to know first if you're stuck in a grief process and maybe you don't even realize it, my different take on those famous stages of grief, and my top tips for coping whether you've been betrayed, lost a job, had someone die, or moved to a new home. And as a special bonus, because you know I love you, I've got my top tips for helping someone else through the grieving process. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Yay, you're back. Hello, Dr. Abby Metcalf here. Wonderful to have you back. This is a topic that's come up quite a bit in my private practice, and I have had people write in about it over time. And of course, as most of you know, I just lost my mom uh, back in November of 2020. And uh, so yeah, grief, coping with grief, loss, all that has definitely been up and around. And especially coming through the pandemic and all of this, there's just so many feelings of loss everywhere. And that's really my big point I'm going to make today is that you might not realize that you're even in a grief 
process because you might not identify like moving to a new home as something that you would grieve over because you might have thought, well, I want to move and it was great, but you still might be missing your old neighborhood or friends or something about that old uh, home. So before I jump in, I want to make sure that everybody knows about my first book, which is Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And that is available on Amazon and it's also available via Audible, which depending if you already have Audible or not, you could get it for free if you don't, because you could sign up for their free trial. So uh, please, you know, check that out. It's great. I'm so proud of it. I've had so many people just, and you can read the reviews. They're all five star on it. Um, it's been an Amazon number one bestseller. And I, I really love it. And it's a lot of information purposefully put into sort of a smaller, uh, <laughs> more digestible uh, means so you do not have to read a 500 page book to really get all the goods. I give you all the goods um, in the as brief as I could. I mean, I still, you know me, I chat. Okay, so uh, I'll link to that here in the show notes, but you can also go on Amazon and uh, find either be happily married, even if your partner won't do a thing. And even if your partner won't do a thing, it can still help help you be in a happy relationship. Okay. So let's get to it. You know, when someone dies, in some ways, it, it's definitely easier to identify grief and loss because, you know, we're supposed to feel that way. We're, we're allowed. But if you're the one who initiated your divorce, you might not find those sympathetic ears when you share your pain. You, you might relate to this right off the bat. So I'm going to cover all of it today, like I promised. Uh, but we have to start with the five stages. So in 1969, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she was an MD, she described five sort of popular stages of grief in her book on death and dying. And they have remained a mainstay for anyone working through a loss. Now, there's been a lot written in the 50 years since about whether or not these stages have any real merit in the research. I have to tell you, there's I'll link to that in the show notes. There's some things you can find that show that they don't really have a lot of merit necessarily. But but I found that they often fit when I'm working with clients who are trying to move past any kind of loss. And there are two main things, though, to understand when we're talking about these five stages, Kubler-Ross's five stages. And the first is that they're not linear. I think people always thought, you know, that they go in a nice, neat line from one to the next. And that's not true at all. So I guess some people do. I've never met anyone who did. <laughs> but uh, I think that was a lot of criticism about them because there was this idea that you went from one to the next to the next and the, or, or that you couldn't even go to the next unless you've been through one. And that's not true. Uh, they don't build on one another. You can jump around. You can even go back to a stage that happens uh, that you thought you moved through. You, know, you kind of go back to it at a deeper level. And second, you might not go through all the stages. You might go from anger to just, okay, now I accept it and I'm moving on. I, you might not have any, any of them, I guess, although I don't think I've ever met anyone who's had none. Um, the thing you need to focus on is, is finding peace. And if you move through some serious shock and come out of the other side feeling at peace, then that's all good. You, you don't need to go through all the stages. You don't need to do all this. Uh, okay. Um, and But before we jump into the what and then my tips, I want to spend a minute on where you are now 
And many times people don't realize that they're a little stuck in grief or loss and haven't even identified that that's what's happening. There are so many times with clients that I would say to them, wow, you're really, this is a loss. You're grieving this loss. And they are like, what? What are you talking about? And again, that's usually because of something they voluntarily did or they just don't uh, equate grief and loss with anything other than dying or a death or someone dying. So if you've had a loss, again, could be loss of a job, relationship, a person, you know, anything like that. And it was a while ago, and I'm going to say more than six months. These are some signs that you might be stuck in the process, in your process of grief and loss. Uh, anger. If anger is, if there's, con- if you have consistent angry outbursts or just a general angry demeanor about things and people, and again, you weren't that way before the whatever the thing is that happened, then you likely are a little stuck. If you have a generally impatient manner with everyone and everything, impatience really shows up a lot, uh, you you might be a little stuck. If you're using, if you use, uh, if your use of drugs, alcohol, food, sex, anything like that has increased and has stayed increased since the loss you might be in a stuck place. So yeah, you know, you you got fired from your job and you went out and drank for a few days to try to forget or whatever. I that's not a problem. But if it's 6 months later and you're still drinking quite a bit, that's that's a problem. Uh, uh, hopefully you get the idea of what I'm talking about. Uh never being satisfied and needing the next and the next and the next. That's another symptom. You know, real unhappiness in your moments and nothing really being just good enough or enough are signs if you still have them, again, a a, a while after your divorce or a while after someone died. There's there's something going on. Um, If you still have the I should haves, you know, the regrets, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, why didn't I think of this, or if I'd only done that, uh, and again, it's months and months later, then you could be stuck in the process. And then The last couple that I notice are ongoing difficulty with sleep or changes in appetite. So, you know, again, I want to be really clear. If if someone, if your mom just died and you aren't hungry for a little while, that's understandable. But if it's six months later and you're still losing weight, uh, there's something going on, you know, and you're not trying, you know what I mean? If you, if you're still just don't have any appetite or if you're still not sleeping or if you're still wanting to sleep all the time. And that gets into the last one, which is increased and persistent fatigue. Any of these or a combination of these generally speaks to you getting, you know, not resolving, not moving past a loss. And depending on, you know, if you were married for 30 years and then your, you know, wife says she wants a divorce, that's going to be very different than if you were married for or with the person for one year and your partner said they wanted a divorce. You you know, the, the level of grief, the amount of time, I get that. What I'm talking about is even if you were married 23 years, if it's a year, you know, six months, eight months after your divorce and you're still angry all the time, like all the time, not Occasionally, you you think of something that makes you angry, but in general, you just feel pissed at the world. Then 
uh, for months and months and months and months and months, then there's something else going on here, right? We want to, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't feel angry a year later, you know, if it popped in your head, but it would just be for a little while and it would go away. And it's not like the whole feeling of your life. Okay. Hopefully I made that clear. Okay. So let's talk about those famous five stages, Kuluros's five stages, and how they might look with uh, different types of losses. I'm going to give you examples from different types of losses and how they how you might know if you're if you're in one of them <laughs> or if you've moved through one of them. So denial is the first stage, and remember again, these are not in order in any order, but denial is the first stage. I'm going to say, uh, and here's one of those stages you might never be in. In my experience, denial happens more commonly if something happens suddenly or or relatively suddenly. Um, Examples of this would be you got told your sister had cancer and has six months to live. Uh, um, It could be something like your dad had a heart attack years ago and has needed to be careful with his heart, but but you know now it's twenty years later, and suddenly he has a heart attack and dies. So yeah, you 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 knew he had heart stuff. It, it's not, I guess, the biggest surprise in the world, but it also feels surprising in that moment the way it happened so suddenly. Um, your wife announces that she's not happy and is leaving you, and you had no real idea that things were at this stage. You got fired, even if you know this is a again a possibility. If you go in and it actually happens, it can really be a shock and you can go into what's called denial. And if you're in this stage, uh, often there's feelings of confusion, uh, shock, fear, and a strong desire to avoid any and everything having to do with the event or person. Uh, So you just don't even want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. You just are avoiding any, like looking for a new job. Maybe if you got fired, you're avoid, maybe you got a terrible diagnosis and you're avoiding going back for a second opinion. This is, you know, where denial kind of sets in. Your life as you knew it has changed and can never be the same. And you're reeling on some level. That's that's sort of what it is. And we And we talk about denial being, you know, the brain's way of not of protecting you, of not giving you too much at once to handle. The, again, problem is only ever if you get stuck in it. So some ways that denial shows up. So in different scenarios, um, if you're saying things like, uh, I know the doctors say she's not going to live, but but they don't know how strong she is, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I Actually, when my mom was uh, dying. My mom died really pretty quick. It was quick. And there was, uh, really pretty much a week. And and she's, again, you know, she's, she was very old. (laughs) You know, when you're 90 years old, it's not a big shock if you're going to die. Right. But, and she'd always, you know, had some health issues for a while and she'd be having a hard time and she was having some memory issues, but it still was a shock, like how quickly it happened. She, she, uh, got sepsis. She had septic shock, organs shut down. Boom. It was like in a week. And I remember talking to my doctor and my doctor, my brother, one of my brothers, and he he just was like, well, you never know. She might pull through. And she was in a coma at that point. Everything had like shut down. She was on life support. And I and it had gone again very quickly. And it was really obvious that she was gone, but he was still looking for like, maybe she'll make it. You never know. She's a fighter. Um and and it's fine. You know, it wasn't like he stayed there. You know, she he got it. He moved on. But, you know, there was just that moment where he wasn't really accepting what was going on. Um, other ways it shows up, denial shows up, uh, 
maybe if you got fired, you might say something like, well, that, you know, that office can't run without me. I'll be getting a call before the week's over begging me back. Or, um, you know, your, your husband walked out. He, he's just having a tantrum. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, um, your, your wife says she's in love with someone else. You know, she just wants attention. She's not really in love with that other guy. She just wants to make me jealous. The, these are the kind of things that when people are in denial, uh, that come out of their mouths. And again, not the worst thing. It's not a, it's not a bad stage to go through. It's fine. It's normal. It's all those things. Uh, it's only if you get stuck in there, if you're still saying those things, if you're, if your husband left you a year ago for someone else and to still think, oh, he'll come to his senses and come back to me, uh, there's right something off. Um, so, uh, but going through it and just having some time in the beginning where you're thinking that, and then you move through it, that's fine. You know, that's again, part of the, it, it can be part of a normal process of grief and loss. Okay. The second stage or a, a second stage, I should say, it's not the second stage, it's a, another stage is anger. And this is stage is often marked, uh, to me, what I see is people being easily irritated, anxious, frustrated, uh, or resentful, um, or just being good old fashioned, you know, pissed off. Anger is often misdirected in this stage, you know, telling off your wife after you've been fired kind of thing. And you're likely playing the blame game if you're here. So you might, uh, you know, blaming other people, blaming the doctors if it's a death, you know, blaming your boss, blaming your whoever, you know, a lot of blame. Uh, you also might be thinking how unfair it all is. How does this stuff always happen to me? That, you know, that can be part of the anger phase. And anger, you know, again, is healthy as a stage of grief. It absolutely is in loss. It's when it takes over your life and changes your personality that over a long period, you know, long period of time and becomes a stuck point, that's when it becomes a problem. But I don't want anyone to avoid anger's good. Anger's good. Don't avoid it. And it often, you know, feeling it and moving through it will often help you uh, move to another place, kind of a deeper place where you can resolve and accept. And so some examples of how uh, anger shows up in different scenarios, not just death and dying, are um, if, you know, if he really cared about cared about us, he would have stopped smoking and this heart attack never would have happened. What a selfish asshole, you know, something like that. I've heard those kinds of things. I hate my ex. I don't know how I was ever with such a miserable human. Um, uh, that whole business is, is going to go down the tubes without me and I'm going to be watching and laughing the whole time. I can't wait. That's sort of revenge fantasies. Or uh, sometimes I just hear someone say something like, if, if there was a God, this never would have happened. You know, there's these ways that the anger shows up in these different uh, scenarios, you know, different ways of being. And you might recognize your own language in one of these. And it lets you know that you were sitting in an anger stage. Again, did you stay there? Did you stay stuck there? Or did you move through? It's it's all it's all good as long as we're moving. The a third stage, another stage that's denoted by Kubler-Ross is bargaining. And again, I know a lot of people who never go in this stage when they're dealing with grief and loss. It's generally um it does come up. It depends. But most people that I've worked with, and again, I don't deal so much with death and dying, but this isn't a big, a big stage. And I think, I think of this as the guilt stage. If, you know, if only I'd 
X, then this wouldn't have happened. If only I'd blah, 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 then this wouldn't have happened. It's usually followed by, um, you know, even some staunch atheists I've, I've worked with, you know, God, if you, if you get me my job back, I'll be so grateful every day of work and do an amazing job, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it's trying to, you know, it's somehow in your head, you're willing to make a major life change in order to change the story of what's happened or happening. And it, a lot of times I see people stuck in the what ifs or the if onlys, you know, if again, what I just mentioned, if only I'd never given him that motorcycle, he wouldn't have gotten in that crash. Uh, what if I'd said, I love you more? She never would have left. I, again, the guilt can be very heavy here. We, you know, putting it all on ourselves, like somehow we could have change the narrative completely just through our own control. Uh, you know, I, I never should have let him, I had this not long ago with someone who was, uh, her husband had died of a heart attack and, and she felt like she should have done more around his food. Um, you know, I should have forced him to stop smoking. I should have forced him to, it's like, you can't force people, you know, you just, you really can't. Uh, so, and really, what you're doing is trying to find a way to gain some control and not feel so vulnerable and afraid with what's happened. It makes sense when you think about it. So um, other examples are uh, kind of like what I just said. You know, if I if I pushed him to go to the doctor sooner, this never would have gotten so bad. Uh, you know, if I'd paid more attention, they never would have left. I, I should have worked harder and gone in early that day or you know, again, or sometimes it's very specific on a day. If I'd only gone to that one meeting where they talked about this, then then it wouldn't have happened, that kind of thing. They, and believe it or not, that's all part of the bargaining. And so getting stuck in that guilt and getting stuck in that, again, is the problem. But moving through that is not. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The next stage is probably uh, really familiar to you. That is depression. And lots of think people think this stage is mandatory. And I am here to tell you it's not. It's not mandatory to be depressed. Loss can be very complicated and confusing. Again, maybe you've moved to a new town and you're really excited about it. Uh, you love your new home, but you still might be feeling loss over the home you left or the people you left. 
behind. You know, you still might be feeling some guilt about that. It doesn't mean you have to be depressed about it to still be in a stage of grief, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes even if maybe you got fired, but secretly you're so relieved, you you just hated that job <laughs> and, and you felt like you were over your head. So secretly you're relieved. Um, it happens obviously when someone's been sick a long time and is in pain. It's, it's sometimes we uh, are, you know, we, we're sad, but we're, you know, grateful that they're not in pain anymore. And so we're not really depressed. We're, we're just feeling a moments of sadness that we're, don't have them, we don't have them in our lives anymore. And obviously for others, depression is a huge player. It's, it's, it's all of it. Uh, something important to remember is that depression doesn't just look like being sad and not being able to get out of bed. I want to be really clear about that. It can also show up, uh, and I think it often does, as hostility, as anger, confusion, uh, sometimes I see overwhelm, numbness, disconnection, uh, and even sort of a flighty thing, you know, not being able to keep track of things, forgetting things, you know, not really following through on things well. Um, obviously, in a big way, depression can show up as suicidal thoughts, you know, why go on kind of stuff. Um, and I, I pray you or no one you know is at that stage. But there's definitely um, depression and that's what I've seen it be like the biggest thing going on, or I've seen it be the, the smallest thing going on. So uh, depending on when and how the loss, uh, we'll, we'll say a lot about that. And examples here are things like, um, I'm never going to find anyone else to love ever again. I'm always going to be alone. All the years at that job, and it was all for nothing. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm never going to get a job that good again. This move was such a mistake. Everything was better in the old house. Now we're completely stuck. I'm sure you can see that. And and I didn't even, I'm not giving you a lot of examples for death and dying because you can see depending on who the person is, um, how much you can just go to that really sad place about not having them in your life anymore. And then the final stage or, and really this one kind of is final because it's not, no, I lied. <laughs> I didn't mean to lie. Sometimes I lie. Sometimes this is acceptance. And sometimes, believe it or not, you can be in acceptance and really be here, but you'll find anger taking hold again or depression taking hold again. And I, I have definitely seen that. So it's not final that you get to acceptance and it's just all done, but uh, it does, to me, it does signal in a lot of ways that you, you're going to move permanently. You're gonna, not going to stay stuck anywhere. I guess that's what where I'm going. So, and I think of this, I mean, I think you could call this moving on or, you know, the hope stage of grief or something like that. It's definitely a moving on stage. And it's not, at this point, it's not about, oh, it, you know, it's great that I got fired. No one's saying that, but it's okay. I got fired, but I'll be able to find a new job. You know, that that's really where acceptance is. Um, you know, my mom died, but I'm going to be okay. Um, I like the old house better, but I'll be able to make this new one a home. My marriage is over and I'm going to build a new life and I'm going to find my happiness. It, it's, it's not this Pollyanna like, yay, or, uh, you know, I say it a lot about my, my addiction. I'm not happy. I don't wish upon myself to have been an addict, you know, or a using addict, I should say, still an addict. Um, but I do get 
the why of it. I, I can see, you know, how it's informed my life and uh, w- how I've become the person I am now really do in large part to it or do in some part to it, not large, I think, but anymore. But uh, it shaped my life in a certain way that drove some decisions and other things. And I, you know, if I hadn't had that, would I be talking to you right now? I don't know. And so uh, it's just it's just that way that you can kind of make sense of things later. Again, it doesn't, so I don't wish it, but it's there. So how to, you know, what can I do with that? I, I can't unring that bell. So what can I do with this information? How can I move forward? And to me, this is a great time to explore new options, uh, you know, taking different actions. Many of my clients, I'll say this, describe it as a feeling of uh, coming back to reality or coming out of the fog. And and it's a time of finding new strength for creating that next thing. It's it's not about thinking what happened is a good thing, although, you know, that, again, that can happen, but actually feeling like it's here and I'm going to move past it now. That's really what it's about. It's acceptance. And not all of acceptance this phase is, you know, puppy dog tails and rainbows. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to drive home. Often this is a time of ups and downs. It can feel like you're regressing some days, but the key is that you're able to find your rational here and now brain sort of quicker. You come back to yourself easier. You're able to find more strength again. You know, that's really it. And overall, I tell people to think in cycles, not lines, when it comes to grief and loss. Uh, feeling good and then bad again, it, it's really... I think it's how it's supposed to look. I I just think that's what happens. It it just you're moving forward overall, so you have to do the work and trust the process is really what that's about. But, um, and so some examples of of acceptance could be, um, you know, in the end, it's 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 okay that I was fired because I never would have left and I would have stayed miserable in that job. Uh, I'm I'm appreciating that. I inherited my dad's sense of humor. I know he's smiling down on me every time I tell a joke. Um, uh, clearly, there's someone better out there for me. Both of us are going to be happier now. You know, th- those are signs that you're in an accept more of an acceptance mode about what's happening. Uh, and again, it's not you know cheery. Everything's perfect. It's moving forward with what's what is with what is. That's what it's about. Okay, so let's get to those tips. You know you wanted the tips. And I have uh, seven for you today, and then we're going to wrap up. So the first one I talk about a lot is, you know, developing new rituals. And, you know, consider thinking of new rituals in your daily routine to, you know, on the one side. So let's say someone died. Um, Those would be new rituals to stay connected with your loved one to, uh, if you, like, so I, my, I think I've shared this before. My dad, um, his ashes are in my home, in my, um, kitchen because <laughs> my dad was a chef and he loves food. He loved food. And I talked to him, you know, I'll chat with him, you know, I'll ask him what was in a recipe. I'll, we have an ongoing relationship. Uh, it's just not the same. You know, I, I'm really subscribed to the idea that, um, well, it's not an idea. It's a proven fact that, you know, m- matter 
isn't destroyed or made, right? Where the energy can't be destroyed or created. So this energy that was my dad, you know, has moved into a different uh, cycle, shall we say. Uh, and I, you know, feel like I still have a relationship with him, you know? And so you might have a picture up of you and the person you lost. You might have, um, you know, something like that. Other new rituals I want you to think about, you know, if you, if you, let's say it's a breakup and every Saturday you and your partner used to always go out for date night or I'm making this up, but you know what I mean? Don't sit home and not do anything. Don't do that because you're going to really miss that person. <laughs> so do something different. Uh, you know, fill in a new ritual in there. Create a new thing you're doing. I think it's especially hard uh, if you're the one, if you stay in that home where the two of you might have lived together, you really have to change some things around and again, create new rituals. If you always woke up every morning and sat in the back on uh, the back deck and had coffee together, well, don't go sit on the back deck and have coffee alone because you're going to really notice this acute missing of this person. So do something a little different. Even if you're standing on the back deck instead of sitting, you know, in the same chair, you know, just do something different. Create a new ritual. And actually, I'll go into um, uh, another uh, tip that I have here, which is really just for when someone uh, passes on, someone dies, which is, again, keeping that relationship going. Keep the relationship going. It's sort of what I was talking about. You know, you're still in the relationship. You just can't see the other person. And, you know, put out pictures of yourself with that person and hopefully in something in, that's sort of happy. Uh, again, speaking to them daily, talking to your kids or other people about them. I really like to figure out ways to incorporate a lost loved one into your current life uh, and letting them get to know you now. You know, you might have had a mom who died, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and you can, you know, you're a different person now. Let her know how you are. Let her know what's going on. Uh, ask her advice. You you never know what voice in your head might come back. Uh, keep keeping the relationship going. Now this is different than like living for that other person, or you know, in your head if your spouse died and you're deciding you can never love again. I'm not really down with that at all. Uh, I wouldn't. I would say, yeah, you know, honor and love them and let them know it's, you know, you're showing how much really that you honored and loved someone when you find new love. It means that, you know, love is expansive. Love is beautiful. Love is open. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is all those good things. And so to, to keep it like withdrawn and, and angry and sullen and isolated and pull, withdrawn, you know, withdrawing in yourself, I just... I know that no partner has left this world feeling glad that you're doing that, that you're miserable in this world without them. That's not what it's all supposed to be about. And I'm not saying that you're going to, again, be puppy dog tails and rainbows, but invite other people into your world and include, you know, the memories of your uh, ex, but or your person, your person who died, but don't um, let them overshadow what you have now. The... Uh, so the third tip is really to get support. Let people know you need to talk about what's going on. Talk openly to friends or other family, but talk about those feelings. If you're worried about bugging people or like you shouldn't be, you know, grieving anymore, uh, then find a therapist or a support group. 
then pay for it. I'm or you know find a voluntary support group, whatever it is. But you gotta have support, and you're gonna you know grieve as long as you grieve. You're gonna have your feelings. Just you know make sure you got support for them, and you're not just sitting alone with them. That creates the deepening depression, and that's not what we want. The fourth thing is I always say right after uh, a any kind of loss is to change as little else as possible. So you know, don't go. This isn't the time to go on a new diet to move your house, to start that boot camp for exercise all at the same time. You know, grieving, even if it's for someone you lost a long time ago or a long ago breakup, it if you're grieving now, if you're noticing the grief, if you're trying to work through it, it takes a lot of mental bandwidth. So uh, you're going to need all of it or as much as possible to deal with all those feelings. And again, you know how I always talk about it's not about how much time is in your day. It's how much mind is in your day. It's how much emotional bandwidth, how much you can really handle emotionally. So give yourself room to have these feelings. And you can't just be so busy. Sometimes people do that with grief or loss and they get themselves super busy. And a little busy is okay, but super busy is not. And again, or super busy in the very beginning just so you can kind of get through it. But then you, you're you going to need to ease off and feel the feelings. And that does happen a lot. I will say when my, again, when my mom just died, um, you know, I was down and I had lists and lists and lists of things I needed to get done to uh, take care of everything. And I was very, very busy all day. I was. And in some ways, again, that was, it was very helpful. And it was probably two weeks after um, I got back home that I noticed I felt really fit. I felt exhausted. I mean, exhausted, so fatigued, so exhausted. And I was realizing, I'm like, oh, here I am now at this next stage of grief. You know, I'm, you know, feeling the loss differently right now. It's uh, kind of, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it differently and it's showing up in this way. And so uh, I was able to, you know, identify that and really allow myself to sleep more, to take nap. You know, I'm not much of a napper, I have to admit, but you know, to rest more and to be kinder to myself and to put some things off. And uh, for me, like I took a couple weeks off from my newsletter, you know, in my at my work, I always have a newsletter every week and I took two weeks off of it. I was like, you know what, let me just take a couple weeks off. Let me, let me put some things aside for a little bit and really give myself a little more time to just not have as much to do. Uh, so so that's important. And that gets us to our next tip, which is to be kind to yourself. Find that self-compassion and be as kind and patient with yourself as possible. And definitely, again, if something just happened, try to stick to a schedule or keep a routine, you know, go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. You know, if you can exercise, great, eat well. I'm not saying, again, go to boot camp and go on a new diet, but you know, do your best to keep some sort of kindness to yourself. Limit drugs and alcohol, connect with other people. You know, you get the picture here, right? Mostly it's that inner dialogue of when you're noticing the, oh, why didn't I do this? Or I should have done that. Or if only this, that you stop as best you can and give yourself some love. Give yourself that moment. And again, this is why it's really good to get support and have someone you can talk to so there can be a place to reconcile those, those regret, any regretful feelings you might have along or any angry feelings you might have or whatever else uh, along with taking care of yourself and moving forward. And again, I see these all tie into each other. The next one is, you know, 
to explore the hurt. You know, I know it sounds like it sucks, <laughs> but having, you might have an imagined conversation with your ex. Uh, you might have an imagined conversation with your, your dead uncle or your old boss and to explore any unresolved issues or resentments. It can be super helpful, believe it or not. So as another part of your grief process, if you're feeling those feelings really strongly, uh, explore it a little bit, go a little deeper and have this conversation, write a letter to them. It's another great thing to do, expressing your thoughts. Uh, a really awesome thing to do is have, have them write a letter to you apologizing or explaining or telling you sort of where they were at when, you know, here's why I didn't stop smoking or here's why I uh, was angry with you at work all the time or something like that. Really, really great. It's an incredible uh, process. It's often part of a forgiveness process, but it's a very powerful, don't knock it till you try it, highly recommend. And last uh, tip is move from the why to the how. You know, in the end, you want to move from why did this happen to how can I move forward? What can I do today, right now, to feel or think differently? So not why did this happen, but how, how can I move forward now? What can I take with me, if that's appropriate, from that person, relationship, situation, job to give to give meaning or to inform my next steps. What what could that be? This could be having a morning conversation again with like your dead spouse to uh, doing a daily morning kindness meditation where you send loving thoughts to your old boss that you didn't like. There's a lot of places to do this. But you really want to start the more you hear yourself you know, why, why did this happen? Why me? Why? Whatever. Try to think to yourself, okay, how can I put a how in here? How do I, what do I, how do I move forward? You know, what, what am I doing next? How, the how is really what it's about. And as I promised, I have a uh, top tips for helping others cope with grief and loss. So, <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if you're trying to help someone else, if you're not the one who experienced grief or loss and you're trying to help help someone with grief and loss, you can come on over and download that free, of course. And that's uh, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. And you will see this is the Coping with Grief and Loss episode. And you will see on the show notes page right there where you can download this. It will put you on my mailing list. Uh-huh. It does. It automatically sticks you on there. And guess what? You can unsubscribe. I make it really easy to unsubscribe. It's not hidden or anything. I don't know why you'd want to because my weekly tips in your inbox are fabulous. And you get to hear about all things Abby <laughs> about my life, um, which I don't know. I, you might not want to hear about. So yeah, unsubscribe if that's the case. Uh, but anyway, come on over and get the tips because they're here and I, I know that you'll find them helpful. That is it. Have an amazing week. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with me. You know I love it. I love hanging out with you. And if you are have just experienced a loss, you know, recently, I'm, I'm, I love you. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm here in this way for you to help you identify what's going on and hopefully move forward. And I can only suggest really strongly 
that if you don't have friends or family or someone that you can really talk to openly about this, that you find yourself some professional support as soon as you can. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.